All right, good morning. Good to see everybody here at our main campus. Welcome to you guys that are joining us online. So just a couple things before we get started. So if you weren't with us last week, uh, we had the opportunity to do what we call reverse giving, um, and it's very intentional. So we take an opportunity as a church to say, here's what we want for all time. Like we want people to see Jesus in you and not just the church. Does that make sense? Like we want... We want, when people are looking to find Jesus, we don't want them to say, well, I have to come to church to find it when they can find it inside of you. So last week we gave away $20,000. We took $20,000, put it into envelopes, handed it out uh, to people, prayed that you guys would give money, right? That you guys would take money, add money to it, and then again, go out, pray about it, and give it to another person. And so one, we're praying that that money was to there's $20,000, could be 40, could be 60, whatever it was that people added to it and was able to bless uh, people into uh, our community. And so we love that part of it. The other thing that's super exciting is we only have, do we have any left? We have zero envelopes now. First service, we had seven left to give. Now we have zero. So it's a huge celebration to us that you guys took the envelopes, gave the money away, and that there are going to be people that are going to be blessed in this community because of what you did. So thank you for doing that, and thank you for being Jesus um, into the world. The other thing is, so if you haven't been here before and you're new and this is for your first Christmas season uh, with us, is, is that we do an Eve Eve service. So it's going to be at 5.30 and 7.30 on Friday night instead of doing a Christmas Eve service. And that, again, intentionally is for a reason. So one of the reasons that we switched it from Christmas Eve to Eve Eve is we used to hear people say, well, I want to invite somebody, but the reason they couldn't come is because their family has a Christmas Eve, right? And they can't do it. And so we're saying that we want every opportunity to be able to invite people that don't have a church home uh, to be able to come. So we're like, well, that's easy. We'll just have an Eve Eve service. And that way that you can uh, come or invite people to be able to come. Because here's what we know, right? During this time of the year, so we know this time of the year, and, and again, I don't know what the metrics are behind it, but we know this time of the year that there are a lot of people that, again, have great joy and are excited about it, but there are also a lot of people searching, right? That this season brings up a lot of stuff for different people. And so it's a great opportunity for the church to say, I want to do something about it. I want to try to give, you know, the hope of Christ to a world that that's yearning for it, right? So we want to give you the opportunity to be able to invite. So 5.30 and 7.30 on Friday night, it's going to be Eve, Eve. And again, unapologetically, we're sharing the gospel and we're trusting that people will get saved, right? That's what we're doing on Eve, Eve. And we're trusting that the outcome of that is what God wants it to be. Now, Here's the thing that we need from you, right? We need you to invite people. Like the whole idea of putting the effort into an EV service is so that we have the opportunity to invite people. So the number one way, and I know maybe it's got lost, is you actually talk to the person, right? Like you walk up to them and say, hey, you're invited to an EV service, you know, and we'd love for you to be able to come. And I know, again, that's got lost maybe generationally on people actually talking to people and not just sending texts. We'd love you to do it that way first. But the other thing is, is that 
We're going to make it so that we have the Eve Eve service, something you can share with a friend, right? So if you want to invite somebody, Jenny will be putting on our social media, like this is the Eve Eve service, this is what you can look forward to, and you can take it and you can share it on your social media, right? So for all of us old people, that's Facebook, right? Like you can do that. Now in the past, many people have been like young people, so young people are like, I don't have Facebook, and I don't talk to anybody other than through Snapchat and TikTok or whatever that stuff is, and so I can't invite anyone. So you know what Jenny did? Jenny made a TikTok video that's shareable so that you can invite your friends, however actually that works. I don't know how that works, but she made a TikTok video or is going to make a TikTok video that you can share to be able to invite people to the Eve Eve service. So you don't have an excuse. Uh, we want to see everybody come and be able to invite, uh, hear the gospel and to be able to share uh, in that night together. All right, so we're in the Advent series, Thrill Hope. Real quick, why do you do Advent? Why is it important whether you've been in the church or haven't been in the church? So we do Advent for preparation, right? The idea is you got to get your heart prepared. The obvious that we say is don't, you know, get your heart ready so you don't miss the reason for the season. We all know that at this time of the year, it gets really busy, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things to be prepared for, and sometimes it's easy to forget why we do it, and so the Advent series, at least through the church, is to help you be prepared, right, and to help you get your heart ready, so then when it does come time to celebrate, you can be like, okay, I'm settled on, we got all this stuff going on, but at the end of the day, this is what it's really about. So week one was the prophecy of hope. So for the nation of Israel, who at times in their life were going through hopeless times, right? So um, they would go through these times where God was real and he was awesome and things were great to these times where they would get to the bottom or the, you know, to the valley and they'd be like, where is God? And so the prophets would go to them and tell them, but there is hope in a coming Messiah. It isn't always going to be this way. So the prophecy of hope was the thing that we talked about in the first week. Now, the interesting thing, and I want to make sure that we get this, and you can get the full message by going back and listening to it, but don't miss this. That prophecy was said multiple different times to, in fact, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, their only job was to make sure that everybody didn't miss the Messiah, but guess what? They missed the Messiah. You know why? Because they thought their greatest need, what they were looking for when they, when they were hoping for a Messiah was to fix their greatest need. You know what their greatest need was back then? To be able to have the Roman Empire not over them, to not have oppression, to be able to have the nation of Israel rise up in stature the way they wanted it. So when Jesus came, they missed the Messiah because they were looking for him to fix the problem he didn't come to fix. Now, how does that apply to us today or what's important for us today? It's really no different with us. There are going to be people, we know this by reading scripture, there are gonna be people who think their greatest need is their marriage. They think their greatest need is their relationship with their kids. They think their greatest need is addiction. They think their greatest need is, and so they're going to pray for a Messiah who will fix these problems, right? And at the end of the day, what they're going to find out is, is that that's not why Jesus came. That's not your greatest need. You know what their greatest need is, and you know what our greatest need is? The hope that we can actually yearn for and know that it'll be fulfilled, your greatest need is, is that you are a sinner like me, fallen short of the glory of God, and you need a Messiah to save you. That's your greatest need. And there is a promise that that will happen, that the, if you ask Jesus Christ into your heart, that the blood of Jesus Christ will cover all of your sins, past, present, and future, and you can have a hope of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and a hope that you will be in that relationship for all of eternity.
Right? That is the hope. So that when the rest of the world gets crazy, which it does, and things don't go the way we, you know, think that they should go, we don't lose hope, right? Because we have the Messiah that, that we know is from Scripture. Then we said, if there's a hope in a Messiah, for that hope to come true, somebody has to say yes, right? So if Jesus was going to be born of a virgin, there had to be a virgin. There had to be somebody that the angel came to and said, will you do this, right? Will you step into this place? And so we focused on Mary, right? Think about this 12 to 14-year-old Mary who said at the end, you know, when the angel talked to her, whatever God you tell me to do, I'm going to do. Now, that's pretty big faith. 12 to 14 years old, I'll do whatever. Knowing this, right, this is what she knew. If she said yes, she could be stoned. If she said yes, the person that, you know, she was going to be married to could leave her. She'll be shunned from her community. Like all of this stuff, but she still had the faith to say yes, right? And so we said, how could it be that we, as Christian people, have the faith of Mary? How can we settle that inside of our heart that regardless of the circumstances that are in front of us, how do we settle that? And how do we get to the place where we can say the same thing? God, whatever you ask of me, I'm going to do it. Because that's what, that's what you've asked me to do, that we could have that faith. And so I said, you need to start doing stuff, little things, right, throughout your life to build your faith, right? Because you don't want to wait. Like, it wasn't like Mary at 12 to 14, year old, was the first, 14 years old was the first time that God asked her to do anything, right? It's not the first time that he said, hey, will you do this? She was prepared first by her parents and then by the people around her and by, you know, the, the, the people that are pouring into her to be able to get to the place where you can say yes. So hopefully we as parents building into kids, grandparents, or we as people will listen to the Holy Spirit, do whatever he asks us to do, and your faith will grow, right? That's, that's our prayer that we do that. Now, here's this week, joy, right? So we're going to focus on joy. Now, when you talk about joy inside of church and, and you discuss it, a lot of times people confuse joy and happiness that they go together, right? And they are completely different when you look inside of Scripture. The idea of when he says, and we're going to read it here in a little bit, that the angels came with great news, you know, good news that was going to bring great joy, many people have put, well, it's either joy or happiness. They're the same thing. Well, they're absolutely not the same thing. So for us in this room to be able to understand joy, I think we have to go back to try to, to focus on, so what is the nature of joy and where does that nature come from and how can we then understand what that looks like? So if you have a Bible, turn to Philippians 2. So in Philippians 2, Paul's going to give us a picture of, so if you're looking at joy and you want to understand how to have pure joy, and it is different than happiness, where do we get it from, and what do we need to focus on? Well, Philippians 2, starting in verse 5, gives us a picture of what that looks like. So here's what he says. Philippians 2, starting in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ. Now, just real quick. So one of the things that he wants to make sure that you understand, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you'll actually be in relationship with other people. Like, that's an important piece of all of this. And I know we shouldn't have to say that, but we do live in a very isolated world where relationships have become minimal. And when I say relationships, I'm not talking about high in the grocery store. I'm talking about 
I have a relationship with somebody, right? So he says, in relationship with people, you need to have the mind of Christ. And you're going to see this in a little bit. Because here's what he already knows is going to happen. If you're in relationship with people and you think that those relationships are going to bring you happiness, you're sorely mistaken, Right? Like they're not. Like relationships don't always make you happy. Right? The relationships that he calls you to be in don't always make you happy. And if you're only in relationship with the people that make you happy, you're missing what God wants you to do. Okay? So you got to understand from the beginning, he says, if you're going to be in relationship, you got to have the mindset of Christ. Because in that, if you're struggling with this joy and happiness, you're going to have to understand joy because you're not going to always be happy. And he goes on and says this, who being in the very nature, uh, in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. So here's what he says about joy. One, we got we to gotta put this in here, like, I know, you know, we just read over it because we, it's an assumption that, like, this is pretty cool, that, you know, Jesus was born as a baby and in a manger, and he's going to grow up and die on a cross for your sin, but I want you to think about this for a second. God of the universe, right? Now, to try to put this in perspective, God of the universe, who, what's in my hand is nothing, right? That's how everything started, Nothing. The God of the universe spoke what you see today into existence. Just spoke it into existence. Like, we should be like, wow, (laughs) right? Like, you should sit back and be in awe that a God from the beginning can take nothing and speak this into existence, right? That should be an awe factor. Now, also with that, that being an awe that we should also think through is the idea that he decided to be a man. Isn't that weird? Like God in the heavens who created things from nothing decided the answer to the world's problem is I need to be a man. Now, I think for most people in this room that would make sense if God said, I'm going to come down and be the king. I'll come down, I'll be a king, I'll be a ruler, I'll fix all the problems, you know, I'm going to put myself in a position of authority, and because I'm in a position of authority, I'm going to fix all the problems, right? Like, that that makes some sense, doesn't it? That he came down as an authority figure that was going to fix all the problems in the world, but do you notice what he says when he came? He came in the form of the man whose very nature was to do what? Serve. Now think about that. God, very nature is to serve people, right? Now, we know this because we've talked about this before. So as Christian people, we should want to take on the nature of God, right? Like we should, as followers of God, we should take on his nature. Well, he's saying from the beginning, his nature, right? And you're going to see this as it plays out. His nature is to serve other people, and this is why it is his nature, because he's teaching us something. When you serve other people, it will bring you great joy, right? And that's going to be hard, I know, because we, we all struggle with the selfish nature, right? We all struggle with, like, 
Serving other people is difficult because I have all of this of my own to do, so it's going to be this constant struggle. But my hope is when we look through this, you can start understanding the difference between joy and happiness starts with this very nature of what God wants to put inside of each one of us, which is a nature to serve other people. Okay. Now, here's what I want you to think about. So we're going to look at Luke 2, 8 through 14, and we're going to start talking about, again, where he talked about the idea of this good news coming from the angels. But here's the funny thing, right? So when we get into this, I don't know if you have read this story before, but it's where the angel appears to the shepherds, right? Anybody hear that story before? So the angel comes down and he appears to the shepherds. Do you ever wonder why? Like, why didn't he go to the carpenter's union? You know, like, why didn't he show up at their shops? You know, or why didn't he go into the marketplace? Or really, why didn't he go to the church? Right? Did you ever wonder that? Like, you ever wonder why he would have picked a shepherd? You ever wonder why those were the people that he chose? Now, the thing that I want you to see is you have to understand, because I'm going to assume this, but I probably shouldn't assume, that you really know what a shepherd would have done back then. Right, like what was a shepherd? What, in fact, what were these shepherds' duties? Because this is really important. So obviously, shepherds are people who take care of animals. They shepherd them, right? Now, I always thought this was a given. You know, so when we would hire people to come and work out on the farm, we would talk about this old idea of like, this is what you need to do. But we always have to have this discussion of animal husbandry with a lot of people. And the reason is, is because there's not everybody understands that, guess what? Those animals don't eat unless you feed them, right? Like if, if you don't put something in front of them, if you don't take care of them, if you don't treat them, right? They don't get to treat themselves when they get sick. You know, they don't get a, you know, all of a sudden milk doesn't appear in their bucket. Feed doesn't appear in the, you know, the, the trough in front of them. And, and you would think at farms that would be something that would be natural, but it isn't, right? Like people don't always think about that. And part of the reason that people don't is because they're thinking of themselves. True, right? Like I didn't have time to check the feeders, I didn't have time to, I didn't, you know, because there just goes back through something. And that's the weirdest thing ever, considering their whole existence depends upon you, right? Well, it's the same concept, you know, with the shepherds. So these shepherds, these sheep completely dependent upon those people to, to lead them to the place where they were going to drink, to lead them to the place where they were going to eat. If they got sick, they had to take care of them. You know, if there was a, somebody came in to attack them, they had to be able to, you know, protect them from being able to be attacked. And here's one of the pivotal things, because this is what's funny. Those shepherds were preparing lambs to be sacrificed. They were the the, the temple's shepherds that took care of the sheep that were going to be sacrificed inside of the temple. But you know what's funny about that? Shepherds were considered unclean and could not go into the temple. Isn't that weird? Like these are the people giving the, giving the sheep for the temple sacrifice, but in the religious world weren't accepted because they were considered unclean because they were dirty. Again, an assumption. Guess what happens when you work on a farm? I don't know if any of you guys could get this. You get poop on you, right? 
and you stink and you're dirty, you know, and, you know, it's always funny when, you know, this happens all the time. And if you've worked on the farm long enough, this is going to happen to you. But when you move cows and everybody takes their, their pants and they tuck them inside of the boot and you're moving these cows along and all of a sudden you're feeling like, oh, my foot's warm, you know, and you look down and the poop just went right down inside of your boot. Like this happens, like you get dirty, you stink. And then when you show up to talk to other people, they're like, hmm. <laughs> Good to see you too, right? Like that's the, the idea is, is that like unclean, like there's this like stench that never goes away, not accepted. And, and what's funny is, is that what you see then, you know, the people that are providing the lamb for the sacrifice. And again, this is a tangent that has nothing to do with Jesus, but I'm just going to say it anyway, right? The funny thing is even in culture today, so you got people that are going to sit down and eat meat today or this holiday season, right? But they're going to complain about the stink of the farm that it came from. Yeah, that's how the first service acted. People are like, so what's that mean? So it stinks. I don't like it. Is The idea is that the only way you're eating is if a farm stinks, right? Like there, you don't have, you can't raise animals. The two things go together, right? You can't separate, you can't separate that these shepherds are raising animals and they're thinking to be unclean. These things go together, Right, So you have to see that because when we go in and we read this story, we have to understand, so why did he come to a shepherd? Right? Well, here's why. He wanted to show the world. Right? He wanted to show the world what he was going to become and what he wanted you to become. Because you know inside of Scripture, you know what he says? You know how he refers to himself as the great, great shepherd. Right? He says... I am the great shepherd. I am the one, regardless of how dumb you are, because this is how animals are sometimes, regardless of how dumb you are, I'm going to still lead you to food, and I'm going to lead you to water. And no matter how many times you try to get away from me, I'm still going to treat you when you're sick. I'm still going to take care of you. Like, he's the great shepherd, and what he's saying is, is so the, my nature is to be a shepherd, so your nature should be, come on, the same, right? Like we should put these two things together. And when you do, this is what's so cool. Don't miss this. When we understand the nature of God and we live out his nature, heaven comes to earth. You see, part of the struggle with people today who are looking inside of the church or looking at Christian people, they don't get this, right? Like they're looking at it and they're saying, okay, you know, that, that Christian people say one thing, but it looks completely different, right? They don't look like people whose very nature is to serve me. They almost look like once they become something, then I'm no longer good enough, or I'm no longer worthy, or I'm no longer, you know, a part of that. And so in this scripture, when we're looking at this, we have to understand that when heaven comes to earth, when people are going to see heaven come to earth is when you're serving people. Right? That's how they're going to understand the, the good news that leads to great joy is to take on the nature of being a servant. Okay? Now, as we go into Luke you know, 2, 8 through 14, this now is the story right, of how uh, they talk about the angels coming. So let's look at it, and then we'll talk about how joy comes into the world. So Luke 2, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Here's the key. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of uh, David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and, uh, and on earth. Peace to those whom his favor so how does joy fit inside of all of this when he says there's, there is good news that le- leads to great joy? The first one is this. We got to truly preach the good news instead of the fake news, right? Now, here's the reason I say that. So inside of this, this is part of the problem is, is that we have changed the good news and turned it into religion, right? And so The idea, so when Jesus said to the shepherds, there's going to be good news, it's going to lead to great joy, he was talking about the good news, that the gospel of Jesus Christ is for all people, regardless of where you are in life, regardless of what you've done in life, regardless of what you're doing in life today. The gospel message is for all people. But you know what's happened inside of the church, unfortunately, is is that the message are only for those who are cleaned up. And when I say cleaned up, meaning like you got your life somewhat right and then you can come to the church. In fact, I've heard discussions with people that the church was never made to bring unsaved people to. That was supposed to happen out there. And then once they're cleaned up, then you come to the church, right? Like that would be the idea behind it. And so this is a message, right? That the world is sitting there thinking, now this, this just doesn't make any sense. Right? So when you talk about Jesus and he's the hope into the world, it doesn't sound like it's very hopeful for me until I stop doing. Anybody? Right? Like, until I stop doing these things, the church isn't for me. But once I stop doing these things, then the church can be for me. The other thing is, is that we have stopped being religious in this way. So this isn't the gospel of Jesus Christ. It isn't become Christian and then become judgmental. Right? And I know this doesn't happen on purpose, but this does happen, and you might have experienced this. So if any of you have ever, like, lived a life that's not exactly the way you're supposed to live, you can relate with this. For you guys that have been good all your life, this is hard. But So if you've went down this road of where you've not been very good in your life, and then all of a sudden you, you get to the place like, oh, I, need, I, I found Jesus, Right? And, and, and you get better, and you, you're like, oh, man, I found Jesus. And then you're, you're meeting with these people, and you're, like, so excited about what Jesus did in your life. And you're like, I want to go back and tell my friends. They're like, oh, don't go back to those friends. Because you know what happens when you go back to them, don't you? You know what happens if you, and you know what happens if you talk to, and you know what happens if you do. And then all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, you're right. Why can't you get your life right? Why can't you be like me? I got my stuff together. Why can't you get your stuff together? It's just like this natural tendency that all of a sudden we elevate ourselves up there instead of recognizing, you know what the good news is? You deserved hell then and still now, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, you don't get it. That's good news, right? Regardless, and if you take that posture and that understanding, that's joy. We can have joy in that. We can have joy that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. The good news is still the good news, right? Now, 
The other thing that's good news about this is that joy comes from remembering that God has come to be with you. Every time I read this story and I look at the shepherds and I think, I am so thankful that God comes to the least of these because I was and I am. Because regardless of where you were, you know, like sometimes we put it in this like, oh, well, God came to me when I was in the worst places of my life. You know, God comes to us at every place in our life, and I'm so thankful of that because he came for me, right? That when he, the good news is this wasn't for a select group of people that he's came and said, I'm coming for you, and regardless of where you are, I'm still gonna meet you there. So if you are a shepherd and you stink and you're not accepted in the religious culture and you're not accepted in your community and you're shunned and everybody looks at you, guess what? Jesus came to them first. And I'm like, yeah. That's perfect, right? And it gives me, again, it gives me great joy in knowing that not only will he come there, but he'll come there even when I go back to being that way. Anybody ever been on this road? Like you're going down the road and you accept Jesus and you, things are going good and you feel you know, like you're going in the right direction and then you start doing this. Anybody veer a little bit off the road? Anybody veer a lot of bit off the road? <laughs> right? Like you get off of this road. You know what's so good though? You know what the good news is? He still came for me and he's still coming for me. And when I'm off the road, he's not like, hey, get back on the road, get back on the road. You know where he's coming? He's coming over here in the ditch to get me back up on the road. That is the great thing about this story. That brings me great joy. Because too many times in religious cultures, say, get yourself out of the ditch. God ain't coming for you. God's not going to come over there. He doesn't like you right now. He doesn't like you. And the thing, you know, again, you know, we put it in this parameter because we're not obeying or doing the right things that somehow God doesn't love us anymore. But he'll love you when you can get back on the right track. That's not true. The great news that brings great joy is he re- loves you regardless of where you are. Right, And we should keep that in our mind and the things that we're doing. The other one is this, that joy comes from knowing God makes a difference. Now, this is where it gets confusing, okay? So we talked about this in the beginning. So when we talked about it in the beginning and we say God makes a difference, you know, by the, the birth of Jesus Christ, that God's gonna make a difference into the world. This is where it got sketchy and why people missed him because of what they picked the difference being, meaning that this is how they looked at it. God's going to make a difference, and they selfishly said, how's he going to make a difference in me? Right? And so when it was the coming Messiah, it was, he's going to be the baby Jesus that does this for me selfishly, right? And does this for me and does this for me. And so it got way confusing because for them, the problem is the same as it is for us today, that at the end of the day, we get confused with great joy because we think that he's coming for these reasons and when he doesn't fix these problems, we don't have great joy, right? And so how do you get to the place where you can understand this great joy and how can we know what difference is he trying to make? Now, here's the one that I want you to think about for a second. Has anybody ever a time, you don't have to raise your hand, but just think about this in your heart. Has anybody ever been to the place where you wondered if you were saved? 
Thank you, Nelson, me and you, right? Like, no, there's a few of us out there. Like, you know how, you know how I'm talking about, right? Like, you, you've given your life to Jesus, and you're going down this road, but Friday night wasn't very good. Anybody ever have those Friday or Saturdays? And you're like, I wonder if that was the last straw. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm wondering if, if this night was bad enough that he's just going to be like, you're out, right? Until you get your crap together, you're out, right? Like, I, that was something that I struggled with for a really long time. Like, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? And did the, that action make it so that he's not going to love me anymore? And what does all of that look like? Well, in this, when we talk about the difference, right, that he's going to make, part of that difference or that joy is assurance. Like, how can you be assured today that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus and that you are in relationship with him and that there's nothing that you could do that'd be like, you're out? How do you know that? Because for me, this was the struggle, and it's honestly a struggle I was taught from the church. Good people are in, bad people are out. And it's this cycle. When you're good, you're in. Like when you're attending church and you stop drinking beer, and you, you know what I mean? And then you start missing church and drinking too much beer, and then, you know what I mean? You're out and in based upon what you do, right? Well, great, there's no great joy in that for anybody who's been down that road. Is there any great joy in thinking you're wondering whether you're in or out? There's no joy in that. So how can we get great joy in assurance? Well, in Matthew, this is the awesome thing is, is that Jesus gives us a picture of how you can have assurance, right? How can you have great joy when we look at Matthew so that you can say with confidence that my joy rests in my assurance of my eternity? Matthew 25, 31. Here's what he says. Matthew 25, starting in verse 31, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as he separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. So again, reminder, every single person in this room, at the end of your life, there will be a day of reckoning. We're all on that same page, okay? On that day of reckoning, you will be on one side or the other, okay? You're on one side or the other. You're either on the, the side that heard the, the good news and had great joy and accepted it, or you heard the good news and it didn't bring great joy and you missed it. There is no, I don't want you to miss this, there's no middle ground. When you get up there, there, there is a, you're going one way or the other. Now, thankful, so thankful that he doesn't be like, and you can guess which one's going to get you on the right side, right? Like, luckily, we don't serve a God who says, and you can guess if you get separated, what's going to be. He's like, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what separates the sheep from the goats. I'm going to tell you what separates those who heard the good news and had great joy and those who heard the good news and didn't, right? I'm going to tell you what separates those people. This is what he says uh, in verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. So there are those, again, who heard the good news, who had great joy because of this, they took on the mindset, the right mindset. 
right? You remember what we talked about in the beginning? He says, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the mind of God. We in relationships need to have that same mind. So what is that mindset that he took on? And how can they be assured that they were uh, on the right side? Well, this is what he says. You know why you got separated? For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Then the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Now listen, this is the difference. I want you to make sure that you see this. Back in Philippians, it said, if you will take on the mindset of God, the mindset of God, his very nature is that he came to be a man to do what? Serve. Very nature, right? On this earth, when you watched Jesus, what you saw is is that he could have been the king, but he chose to serve. He could have been selfish, but he chose to serve. He could have had his own way, called a legion of angels, chose to serve. His whole nature was that way. And so for us, right, our very nature should be to serve. And you know what's cool is, you know, when they said, um, well, Jesus, we didn't ever see you and do it for you. And like, ding, 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 that's the right answer. Because they didn't do it out of religious obligation. They did it out of nature. And there's a huge difference. The church didn't have to tell them to go visit the sick. The church didn't have to have a program to go to the jail. The church didn't have to have a clothing ministry to give people clothes. The very nature of a person says, if you need money, I'm giving you money. If you're sick, I'm gonna come and lay hands on you. If you're in jail, I'm gonna come and visit you. I don't need religion. It's my nature. If I'm walking by somebody and somebody's in need and I have the means to, need, to, to meet the need, I'm supposed to do it because it's my very nature. You see, and it gets confusing for people, right? It's just because we're like, well, I didn't really do it because the church didn't tell me to do it and the church doesn't have a program to do it and we live in this little bubble, right? And I'm just telling you the thing that you need to think through If you are, want to be assured that you're on the right side, you know what he tells you? It's not based on how good you are. It's how well your nature is like God's. You know what God's very nature is? To serve and love people. Right? Like the very nature of God is to come and say, I'm here for you. When I walk in this room, I'm here for you. When I see people in a group, I'm here to serve you. I'm not here to be served, right? Like that's the idea of the very nature of people. Nobody has to tell you to open up a door. Nobody has to tell you to go over and talk to somebody. Nobody has to tell you when you feel the prompting to go do it. You just go do it because the nature of God is to serve and to love people. Now, so you know how you can have assurance that you're gonna be separated on the right side and you're spending eternity with him? How's your nature? What is the very nature that comes out of you? Because here's here's what you got to know. You're always going to have a selfish nature. (laughs) So it's going to be a constant battle every single day. Like the battle every single day is, man, I, I know I should, but if I do, right, you lose something over here, right? 
Does that make sense? So if I, I know I should go over and visit this person, but I, but I got this to do. And if I don't get this done, then this won't get done. Like you make an excuse, a selfish, right, excuse of why we don't do it. Right? You're going to be battling against it. Or, you know, uh, I'm going to invite somebody to church, but they might say no. And like we always go through this battle, selfish nature battle. But he says, if you are on the right side, your natural nature is just going to be, you know what, I'm going to serve regardless of what happens regardless of what it costs me, regardless of what it's going to do, you know, for or against me, I'm just going to serve in that nature. So you could be sure that you're on the right side because of your nature. Now, he goes on to the next one and says this, verse 41, then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison. You did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to the eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Now, Worship team's going to come back up. Let me end with this. Here's what I want you to think about. So there's huge differences between those two people, right? From the outside, it doesn't look like there's a big difference, right? Because these over here are just saying, well, Jesus, if you would have told me to do it, I would have done it. You see that, right? Like if you just would have told me, I would have done it. So what we see, again, and and I'm reading into this to to a certain degree, but I have to believe if he says to them, curse, and you're going to spend eternity in hell, that this really had to be the truth, that these people are only operating based upon what they get back for it, right? Like, I'm going to do it so I can check Mark off on the religious box that I now feel better because I did it. I'm going to check it off because the church told me to. I'm going to check it off because, because I've always said this. You know what's weird? It's weird that I have to tell you, and, and again, I'm not saying this is you. This might be, you guys might all have this part good, but isn't it weird that the church would say, you know what you should be doing? You should be inviting people. Like, that's a crazy idea, isn't it? Right? Like, your very nature, listen to me, Your very nature should be a yearning for lost people. And if you're not sitting there like, God, give me the vision and the heart for the lost to give me an opportunity to invite them, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why isn't the nature of every Christian saying, look around this room. Every single chair in this room represents somebody who's spending eternity away from God in a place called hell. And the responsibility isn't anybody else's but yours and mine. Like the nature of who I am believes and yearns for those who are lost. The very nature of who I am is somebody who would, again, think through this idea of, God, what do you want me to do? How can I serve other people? Not how can I be served. Right now, I have a question to think about. So our nature, when we would be around people, this is what we'd hope, right? Our nature would be is that when we're with people, that we would look around and say, how can I serve you? Right, that would, that's what being a Christian, 
right? Somebody who says, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. The very nature of us is anytime we get in a room with other people, the first thing we're doing is looking, how can I serve you? How can I love you? What can I do to be able to bring the love of Christ to you? How can I make good news become great joy, right, when I'm in a room? And how do I see people in that way? Now, the question for me and for you in this room today is here's part of the problem in the church today. People are coming to church more for happiness than they are joy. Like you're coming because you want the worship and the message and the thing to make you happy, right? And you want to get a feeling and you want to be excited, right? The nature of the church, just think about this, like we have no other choice, but the nature of the church is not to sit in rows looking at somebody else, putting on something for you. The nature of the church is to look around and see people who need you. That's the nature of the church. Get out of the row and get into the circle. But you know how many times we just come in, we sit, and we file back out, we go, we've missed it. (laughs) You've missed it. The idea is the very nature of a Christian person is when they see a room like this is, who can I serve? Who can I love? Because the gospel so many times could be through a hug, a handshake, a conversation, a smile, a serving in a ministry. Like it could happen in so many ways. The message just doesn't have to be from a preacher. And if we're going to give great joy to the world, then we have to change our very nature to how we view what we do inside of this world. And when we walk inside of any room or any place where there are other people, how can I serve you? Because when we do, this is the cool thing. When we do this, when you serve other people and you fight against the selfish nature, you're going to have a joy inside of you that this world and people cannot take away. You see, part of the problem in our world today is that we have a lot of people who are unhappy. True? Like we got a lot of people that are just struggling with happiness. And, and you know what? Here's the deal. You're living in a world that's broke and you are going to struggle with happiness. But the peace that surpasses all understanding, the joy does not come because the world could give it to you. That joy comes because you choose to take on the very nature of God and regardless of your circumstances, you will serve other people. And God will do something inside of your soul that you can't do on your own. You just can't do it. And when you do that, God's gonna settle something in your very nature regardless of what's happening outside of me and all the things that don't seem to be going my way. I still am confident in the joy, the good news that brings great joy. Will you stand so I can pray for you? Heavenly Father, when we come to you, we understand that having great joy is a difficult thing because for so long, Lord, our very nature has been selfish. Lord, I pray that every day we will wake up and fight against our selfish nature, Lord, and allow us to experience the joy that can only come from you. And Heavenly Father, I pray that you will give us opportunities to to serve people, to love people. That the very nature of who we are is just to get out of these rows and get into circles and go into the world and give the hope that you have so provided for each one of us and for this world. 
Lord, may we be a church that takes the good news of great joy into the world. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Go tell it on the mountain, the one that we've been waiting for, the King of our salvation, born on this day, our Savior Christ, Lord, go tell it.
So I just pray as a church that we will take on the very nature of who Christ is and that we will do anything we can to serve people. 
that we'll take every opportunity possible to show the love of Christ through our service to them. And I just pray that we'll be a people who, through the nature of Christ, show the love into the world and give them the hope that will never be taken away and the joy that the world can't destroy. So again, thanks for being here with us at our main campus. Thanks for joining us online. Don't forget, we'll see you Friday night at the 5.30 or 7.30 service. We'll love to see you there. See you Friday night.